With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show. Happy Monday. We got a big, big interview for you today. Special guest. New series that this is actually Max Olson's idea. He called me the other day and he said, hey, why don't we do something occasionally on the podcast where we highlight the new guys, the people who are either new head coaches, transfers in new places, or someone adapting to a new role for the first time this year. And I think that's a great idea. So throughout this offseason, we will be visiting with more and more new guys to catch up with them, find out how they're doing. The first one, one of the biggest ones. Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. He was the Carolina Panthers coach to start last season, but we've seen him work at Temple and at Baylor. Can he be the one that brings the Cornhuskers back to glory? Here is Matt Rule with me and Max Olson. We are honored to be joined by the new head coach at Nebraska, Matt Rule. You know him, you love him from Temple, from Baylor, from the Carolina Panthers. Coach, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, it, Max and I were talking about this before we, we got on with you, Matt. You left Baylor, and it wasn't that long ago, and you come back at Nebraska to what feels like a completely different sport. How, how different was college football when you left to when you got back? Uh, you, yeah, you guys hit it on the head. I mean, it's significantly different. Um, the transfer portal obviously has changed things. NIL has changed things. Conference realignment continues to change things. Uh, you know, we're talking about future schedules, and we're looking at you know time zones and playing in three different time zones. You know, so it's just uh, it's it, you know it's it's significantly different. It's 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 uh, part of the new landscape. So, what did you, what did you learn as an NFL head coach that that you wouldn't have known? Had you never been an NFL head coach, what do you what do you bring back from from that experience? I think a much more complete understanding of the draft process. Um, you know, uh, I think you know a lot of people watch the combine and think it's that. And after sitting there, there's so much more to it. I think understanding the economics of the game. You know, people talk a lot about the head coach and general manager. What I learned was that league's really about your salary cap uh, 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 person. It's really a it's a financial league as much as anything, and so. Even in my last year, you know, I'm, I'm on the hot seat going into my last season. And, you know, for one reason or another, just from a financial perspective, he let Hassan Reddick go. He let Stefan Gilmore go. Those are two of the best players in the game. And so that's not like, well, you know, we don't recognize what type of players they are. It's just to, you know, hey, we're going to save money and try to go get this guy. Or, hey, we're going to save money for this next year. So it's really much more of a financial league than anything else. And um, obviously college football has become a little more financial now with NIL. But. But just hopefully I can help our players um, mm -hmm. understand better what the next level will be like. 
I heard you talking about that with regard to your receivers, where you're saying they, they got to learn to play everywhere. They got to they got to play on every special team because the NFL on most teams, it's about two guys at receiver and then everybody else better find a way to fit in. Yeah, you know, you, you, you come up, you're you're a highly rated receiver, you're all state, you go to all these camps, you catch balls, you do cones, you go see your wide receiver trainer, you um, you do all this work, you come to college, and then you go to the NFL and you're at best as a rookie, unless you're like a top 10 pick, top 15 pick, you're like receiver number two or receiver number three or four or five. And so some teams go into game day with four receivers, some guys go in with five, so three, four, and five better have a couple things. They better, number one, be able to stay healthy and practice. You know, wide receiver number one, if he's a little tight on Wednesday, we can give him the day off. But uh, if you're number three, number four, number five, number six, one of those guys that's fighting to be you know, be, be, be on the roster, um, you better be able to practice and be healthy. You better, too, you better know all the different positions. Like, I can fill in here. I can fill in there. I can do this. And then three, you better be a teamer, man. You Guys think, I'm oh, coach, I play special teams. I return kicks. I'm not talking about being a returner. I'm talking about covering kickoffs and playing on the punt team. And so I think uh, I think that knowledge, you know, um, from our – not from me, maybe from our assistant coaches is, is going to help our guys. Has that been refreshing, Matt, to get back to the college level of, like, really working individually with the kid and it's not the, the grown-up on the contract? Like, just how has that connection been coming back to this versus maybe what that NFL experience is like? Well, you know, let's say this. I, 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 I loved a lot of the guys I worked with in the NFL, but but to your point, um, you know, it's very transactional. You know, like I, well, if, if I struggled in the NFL with anything, it was the concept of cutting a player. Like I'm, so I'm going to coach you and build a relationship with you, and then one day walk in and be like, hey, thanks for everything. It's time to go. And um, you know, you see these guys like they're fighting for their lives, man. It's like you know, sometimes you have to do it to a guy like every other week because you know you're playing the roster game. So it's just so transactional. Whereas here, you know. We want them to be successful in football, but more importantly, we want them to be great people. We want them to get a great education. So we're involved in so many aspects of their life that uh, I think it has a real, um, just has a real different feel, much more personal feel. And uh, that's really kind of who I think I am, who I think our staff is more than anything else. I'm guessing that you just get a lot of energy from from being back in this. I'm I'm curious. Like obviously, you dabbled in TV last November. You went on a vacation. I mean, I, I, after a stressful finish there, like I'm sure it was probably a little bit tempting to like really take some time off. Like how did how did you kind of process that like kind of crossroads? Um, you know, I think I think for me it was just about making sure I found the, the right job and the right fit for me, uh, the right fit for my family, a you know, place where we could go and be happy. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes funny, you know, when you're a coach, if you're not having success or so much vitriol, you know, cast your way and it's like, you know, Hey, I'm sorry, it's not working out, but it's not for a lack of trying, you know, like, so I'm going to go somewhere that was going to be nice to my kids, going to be nice to me, you know, I mean, not really me, but nice to my kids, nice to my wife, where I could raise my family in a happy place. Um, so yeah, there was certainly some thought of like, Hey, there was some time there. Um, you know, I had a I had a duty and a responsibility to the Panthers to try to find a job. So I certainly, obviously, by taking a job, I proved that I tried to do that. Um, but I, I miss coaching. You know, Max, I miss I miss. You know, I think you you see me at practice. I mean, you see me around. I mean, I'm happy. I'm I'm flying around because this is what I love to do. And so, uh, my wife laughed. She was like, "Yeah, you think you're gonna not coach next year? Like, I wish I wish you could spend a year hanging out. You know, but she knows the way I'm wired, and I I like this, and I like this. You know, these relationships and I like this process, so I've been really happy doing it. 
Well, now I'm even more impressed with your TV stint on, on Good Morning Football because I watched that. The first day you were on it, I think I texted your agent and I said, well, I guess he's not coaching this year because he looks like he's getting hired here. <laughs> uh, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that. And, um, um, you know, over the years in this job, you do a lot of media. You know, I've been on College Game Day, I think, three times. I've been on that. And so, you know, I certainly am I'm not the best looking guy in the world. So I'm not certainly not as good looking as you two guys. I don't, I shouldn't, there shouldn't be too many cameras around me. But um, yeah, I just think, you know, I, I went and did that and had a really cool experience. I did something on CBS and had some other things lined up. And, um, you know, just, just Nebraska was, uh, was the right fit. It was the right place. It was the right people. And I, I remember way back when, when Max told me he was moving to Lincoln. And I was like, oh, you know, you know what's there and my wife and i came here and expected like expected like a kind of a one horse town right and um you get here and there's a city and then you drive down the road and then there's another city and um really cool people and cool restaurants and there's society and then there's art and music and shows and so um i i couldn't be happier that we did it so how how different or or similar is this to to year one at temple or or year one at baylor I think it's significantly different. And, um, you know, when I took over Temple, I had been an assistant coach there the year before, so I knew all the players. But what we were doing was we were leaving that sort of that world of the MAC, and they had just gone into the Big East. I missed that first year in the Big East, but then that next year when I came in, it was the American. And so we had recruited a lot of kids to the MAC. And so there had to be an infusion of talent. We had to focus on recruiting and on development to catch up to the Cincinnati's and the Central Floridas and all those teams. So that, you know, that first year, you know, we, we, we started playing all the young guys about game three, four, and, you know, we're one in 10 and, and won our last game to have to, to finish on a high note at two and 10, um, go to Baylor. And obviously they just had a scandal, a ton of stuff's happened. Some of their best players, you know, off, off of seven and 16 went, you know, left early for the draft. And so we were trying to build it from there, you know? Um, so that year, I mean, I, I remember, I think I had like four, maybe scholarship alignment. I moved uh, two tight ends to the O-line. We played, we lost Oklahoma the fourth game of the year, third game of the year by a touchdown, like 48, 42 or something like that. We had the ball at the end and we had, you know, a 280 and a 275 pound offensive lineman playing in the game. So it was just a weird situation, right? So we went one and 11 that year. Um, we lost to TCU who was, who was a top 10 team the last game of the year. And the minute the last horn sounded, I remember Chris Del Conte walked over and said, hey, you know, you guys should be great in the long run. I remember walking out and saying to myself, we will never be this bad again. And uh, the next year was seven and six. And obviously, you know, 11 wins the third year. So, but those first two years was a new conference. It's coming off. This, this is this is a bunch of guys who've been through a lot. You know, they beat Iowa to end the year this year, a great Iowa team. You know, we're, you know these guys have battled. Uh, I think they're pretty bought into what we're doing. So I'm excited to, to work with this group. I think, you know, we are where we were at those other places in year two. We're there right now. So what is the thing you feel like you're attacking, especially like this spring and this first offseason? Especially when you are inheriting a group that has had a lot of different coaches and they've endured, you know, a lot of, of losing over these past four or five years. Like kind of what's the – is it the habits? Is it – I mean, what is the, the quote-unquote kind of winning culture stuff you feel like you have to inject into this? You know, I think everyone has their way of doing things, like their process, for lack of a better term. And so I think the thing for us was we wanted to make sure that we spent this whole year teaching our process and having the guys all learn it, right? I have a new defensive coordinator in Tony White, never worked with him before, some new coaches, new staff. And the way we do things is a little different, right? Um, no two practices are ever the same. 
so there's just kind of some like anxiety at times it can come like, oh, what are we doing today? Or so from every, you know, when we changed everything. So from the way that we eat to the way that we train, to the way that we do the training room recovery, academic structure, study hall structure, practice, everything's different. Doesn't mean it's better and it doesn't mean it's worse. It just is what it is. It's just the way that we do it. And so that first year, that learning process is so hard for the guys and I feel for them. And so we wanted to just, we just said, hey, listen, we're going to explain why. We're going to do it. We'll be patient with the hope of when we get to the season, everyone's bought into it, understands it. And, you know, we, we say with our process, like first you learn it, then you start to live it. And eventually you kind of defend it. Like when you see someone not doing the right thing, it, it irks you. We want to get to that second stage where everyone knows what's expected and they live it out day in and day out. So um, whereas when I was younger, I was much more like, how could you now I'm much more patient and just trying to teach so that guys understand, hey, this is why we do what we do. And and it's not Coach Rule's way. It's our way. When you're walking around in Lincoln, uh, I know people are coming up to you. What, what is like the number one thing that you always hear or they're always asking you? You know, they'll say, uh, hey, welcome to Nebraska or, or thanks for coming. Um, I'm always struck by the passion, you know, like we, you went to a, I forget what it was a women's basketball game or a men's basketball game. And my daughters, we went over to the 402 creamery and we're getting ice cream. This guy said, Hey, can I take a picture with you coach? We took a picture. I said, where are you from? And they, they were from like four hours away and they had just dri- driven into the game. We're getting some ice cream and they were going to drive back four hours. And man, I, I was, you know, I had to walk five minutes from my, my apartment in the Haymarket, the stadium. I was like, this really means something to people. And so. I try to do a good job of taking time when people stop me to not just take a picture, but to talk to people because I recognize what that end up there means to everyone in the state. And, um, but yeah, I get that a lot. You know, no one ever says, coach, can I get a picture with you? Cause I want one. They always say my brother will love it. My dad will love it. So uh, I take pictures with people if they ask, but um, yeah. I people think, do autographs anymore or is it, it's just all selfies now. Very rarely, man. I, I think I've probably signed. Not maybe not when someone says can I have a sign ball, but someone handed me something maybe four or five times. Yeah. I had a little kid the other day stop me. They do these tours and they come through. It's one of the things about Nebraska. They tour the, the stadium, and I had this group stop me and they said this kid was like, Coach, will you sign my water bottle? And I was like, I don't know if a water bottle will work. I was like, Give me. It's like we got something else. I signed it for him. He looked at me afterwards. He's like, LSU, LSU. <laughs> like, go Tigers, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, when you got to Baylor, that was immersing yourself into a new culture. You'd not worked in Texas. You hadn't recruited in Texas. You you go out and hire people like Joey McGuire, who who understand the state here. It, it seems like you guys have done a really good job trying to figure out what makes everybody tick there. I, I, the story about Ed Foley going around to to all the high schools in, in Nebraska and then going and visiting Sam Fultz's parents like that is that's how you get to know people. I mean, how, how do you, how do you feel your, your handle on Nebraska culture? You know, what, what makes the recruiting and the football culture in the state tick? How do you feel you are right now with that? I, well, I mean, you know, we're trying to figure it out. And I, I think, I think the important thing to note is it doesn't come from a place of, Hey, you know, we have to do X, Y, and Z. It, it comes from a place of, you know, we like people. <laughs> And if you hire a bunch of people who care about other people, then they listen. You know, half of the half of life is just shutting up and listening. And so, you know, you see behind me, I have a picture of Coach Osborne sitting there with me. He spoke at our clinic a couple weeks ago, and you know, Coach has been in Coach Solich. You know, talking to talking to all these people who know a ton about the University of Nebraska and its history. Because to me, you know, I talk about hey, we like to have our own process, the way we do things. But Coach Osborne, Coach Solich, Coach Devaney, before them for 42 years, this was. 
amongst the top, if not the top, dominant program in college football. And they had a blueprint and a way for doing it. So to me, it's like, you know, we have to do things our way. Uh, we have to paint the walls the color that we think looks appropriate. We have to put the right furniture in. But if there's a blueprint that works, man, we'd be pretty stupid not to at least ask about it. And so when it comes to recruiting, you know, um, we want to find guys who, you know, six to eight guys who are dying to be on this team from the state every year. If there's 10, great. There's 12, great. And how do you do that? You go out and you find those guys. When you've worked at Temple and you've worked at Baylor, recruiting is not about not about just, you know, looking at the rivals on three, two, four, seven list and sending out a bunch of offers. It's about working. And so coming to a place that has way more credibility, we want to still have that same approach of just, you know, grinding and working and, and talking to people. And walk-ons with that public school tuition versus those private schools you used to work with, you, you can really get some walk-ons now. So there's no better place uh, to be a walk-on than the University of Nebraska. <laughs> Matt, you mentioned it, um, but after working with Phil Snow for a decade, like what was it like going out and trying to find uh, a DC and, and, and also just like trying to find what you felt like made sense for the big 10. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Phil's my mentor, you know, I've, I've never won a game as a head coach without Phil. Um, I, I was sad when I got fired, they, you know, they fired Phil for whatever reason, you know, we had top, top five defense in the NFL. I think he's brilliant. And um, uh, the game misses him right now. I believe that. And so, you know, I have a bunch of young coaches on my staff who were trained by Phil and raised by Phil. And so, you know, we started looking at like, what, what should we do? You know, talk to some other guys who've worked with us. But I've known Tony White a long time. When I went to be a GA at UCLA, Tony was just finishing up as a player, had been around. He and I stayed in contact, stayed in touch, really respected the things that he's done. And, you know, to me, it's not about X's and O's, Max. Like, like uh, we were we were a 4-3 at, at Temple. We were a 3-3 at Baylor. We were a 4-3 that morphed into like a 5-2, 5-1 in the NFL, it's about getting your best players on the field. And so as I talked to Tony, um, I felt like he did that, right? He had been at places that were offensive places. He had been at, you know, worked for Rocky. So he'd been with a defensive coach, you know, he'd been at different, you know, different um, processes, but he always played good defense. He always finds a way to be aggressive and he was very multiple. And so when you're multiple, you can respond to what the other teams are doing. So. I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be a little bit different. I want to be the team that you have to, you have to prepare for a little bit ahead of time. You know, you come in on Tuesday and the kids are like on the other team are like, Hey, how are we blocking this front? What are we doing there? So Tony gave me all that plus someone that I, I trusted know a little bit. Well, and that's what Nebraska was offensively for decades was that team you had to prepare for quite a bit extra. How much of an advantage is, is that when you do something pretty different from everybody else? I think it's uh, I think it's significantly different. You know, um, you know, I, I think there's a schematic advantage sometimes, you know, like when you're when, you know, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book, you know, uh, Goliath, you know, like when, when you're when you you know, when you are, are David, when you're the you know the underdog and I'm not saying we're underdogs, but it's just a mentality that I like to have when you do something that's counter to what everyone else is doing. So everyone else is going tempo. Um, let's slow it down. Everyone else is slowing it down. Let's go tempo. Let's just be the team that people have to get ready for, you know, everyone else is playing one personnel grouping. Let's play 15. Um, I think part of it's adapting Andy to, to your environment. Like when you talk to coach Osborne, he was a passing game guy to begin with, was a quarterback. Right. But, yeah. but the weather here, especially before the stadium was closed in the wind, um, they, he adapted, he figured out, he said, Hey, how do I win here? We were at temple. We were a two back power offense, went to Baylor. We were a, 
three and four wide spread offense. We still believe in the same principles. Um, but I think for me, it's about finding those things and doing something that maybe other people aren't doing so that you have maybe a little bit of a schematic advantage sometimes. And you got Coach Solis texting you during the Fiesta Bowl going, hey, see, fullbacks still work. There's no doubt. Yeah, he, he uh, I have so much respect for coaching. I, when I was the offensive coordinator at Temple, he was the head coach at Ohio. So I had a chance to go against him and we played, I think twice we played for the, you know, the, the Mac East championship. We had great teams, but he always had his guys ready to go when it mattered. And, and uh, he morphed and changed as time came along. That to me is the mark of a great coach. You've had success and yet you're not afraid to change. So I've had some really cool conversations, but yes, he definitely believes in the, uh, the art of the fullback. Those guys are not on on the twenty four seven rankings though. Like I don't know where you find a fullback now. You know, we're, so we're doing a fullback camp this summer. Uh, we're doing a one. So everyone has. A, oh, right. We're doing a one day fullback camp. And with my thought process was, there's probably guys out there that play tight end. There's probably guys out there that are big tailbacks. There's probably guys in the wing tee that are fullbacks in other places across the country. Linebackers, they can come here for one day and just focus on one position, play fullback. Uh, if we can find a couple of them, you know, when you have a good one, you want, when you watch the 49ers, the versatility of Jusic, you know, like when you have a good one or a versatile one, they can add so much to your offense. People don't see it very often. So um, we'd love to find one. We had a great one, Nick Sharg at Temple. He used to just demolish people. So I'd love to find that type of a kid here at Nebraska. That's more of a of a mentality than anything else, though, because that, that person, that body type, there's other positions they can play. But it feels like when you meet the fullback, you know you've met the fullback. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I still picture like the old, the old broken. Oh yeah. yes. Right well, that, yeah. back in the day, they always had the red stripe across the bridge of their nose because yeah, that's no that's where the helmet hit them in practice. That's right. Yeah. No, it, it certainly takes a special someone. And um, that fullback camp, I don't think it's padded, and it'll be it'll be in t-shirt and shorts. So <laughs> I don't know if you can really show your true fullback them, but um, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool. And again, to your point, it gives you an identity as a team when you can always line up and do that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So speaking of, of backs, uh, this, this got me thinking. Max did a very deep dive on you. And uh, so I was thinking of uh, a little exchange, uh, Darnell Jefferson tailback, Ray Griffin starting tailback. Uh, <laughs> is the program your favorite movie? <laughs> it's, it's one of them. It's up there. You know, <laughs> Latimer plays at the table starting defense. Um, I remember seeing that. I was a fresh, freshman in college, uh, seeing that with my father. Um, I mean, I don't know. You start talking about sports movies like Hoosiers, and, you know, the program. You know, sometimes we'll use a program reference, uh, to, you know, with these guys. Like I was talking about one of our quarterbacks uh, in a staff meeting the other day, and I'm like, well, you guys know what the problem is. And they were like, they said, no. I said, well, 
you know, you guys would know what happened at his birthday party. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, he had a birthday party and he got busted for drinking. And I said, the cops came in and they took everyone's name down. I said, you guys know what the issue was. And they said, what? I said, there wasn't one of his teammates on the list. And everyone's looking at me. And someone said, Coach, are you doing the Bo Callahan from Draft Bowl? Like, <laughs> like these young Joe, guys, they just watch YouTube. They don't watch any movies anymore. Nobody knows who Joe Kane is. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, program you could teach about the dangers of steroid use. There's lots of lessons there <laughs> for your kids. Laying in the middle of the road reading Sports Illustrated. That, don't that, do that. I don't think that version's out anymore. I think you have to go. That's like a bootleg it's, copy. I think they got rid of that after like a week. Is you know? that? Did you that's see that right. version with your dad? I saw that version in the movie theater, yep. Where I, my high school football team, we finished practice on a Thursday and went to watch the, the program in the theater because we had a, you know, had a game the next day. It was just getting us pumped up for the game. Right. So, yeah, that scene was in it. But the, the, the practice scene scored to Welcome to the Jungle. Yes. That had Bull in the Ring. All the, the stuff you guys are not allowed to do at practice anymore. I know. Just incredible. Just bodies laying everywhere after practice. And I walk in now, like, they get smoothies and massages <laughs> and chiropractors. I'm like, you know, where's the guys laying there that – you know, tape on their face, you know, but the games, well, these movies have changed, I guess. I, I remember you told me once, Matt, uh, in your time at Baylor, uh, you played a game against Oklahoma and you told me you went 10 cup in that game. I'm guessing you have a high standard for sports movies in your life. I do. I do. I, I, I only like to go. I, I'm excited. I need to go see air. I keep hearing about air, which I don't know if that's technically a sports movie or not. Oh yeah. My daughters are in town and I went and saw Mario brothers instead, which was amazing. Let me just say that 3d, but, uh, air is on my list here very shortly. Well, it, it's it's they don't make them like the they don't make the football movies anymore. That's that's the problem. There's no international market for them. I'm told by the people who used to make the football right. movies. But uh, fun fact: Alvin Mack has appeared on this podcast. So wow. you, yeah, Dwayne Davis, uh, because his son Wyatt was a, a very good offensive lineman at Ohio State. <laughs> was a five star recruit. So uh, wow. you you are following in the footsteps of Alvin Mack. <laughs> uh, someday you'll buy your mom a house and. Uh, <laughs> Right, you know this as Adidas. So. Another alleged favorite of yours. Is it true that Dave Matthews Band is your desert island band? Oh, you've heard me. You've heard me use to do that. I, that's one of my recruiting things I do all the time. Um, it comes and goes, but I'd say on average, like um, yes. Uh, my DB coach Evan Cooper has been my recruiting guy. Like him and his him and his wife, they went on, like a family trip, and she shot me a text. She's like. Why am I having – her name's Andisha Cooper. Andisha texted me. She's like, why am I having to listen to Dave Matthews for the last three hours? <laughs> because Coop, to get, me, to get me to watch recruits that he wants to offer, not just the ones that he wants to offer, he'll come in my office and he'll throw on a little Dave. He knows that will settle me down and get me in my chair, and then he puts them on. So he's been, he's been raised in, in football on Crash, you know, and, and all these great, great, great songs. Is, so is there a favorite – like, um, are you a live music guy? Like, is there a favorite concert all time you've gone to? I love live music. If I have my choice, I'd rather go to a show than a studio, like a big concert. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, I love the show. Like, like, I went and saw Cody Jinks. At, it was at the arena here, the first credit, Liberty First Credit Union in Omaha, but a smaller show. Just, you know, just bought tickets on the third row. And Cody Jinks was amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I saw the Stones and Living Color. Back in Whoa. like, I saw them in like 90, 93, whatever the tour, 93. And that was a studio show, but it was awesome. Um, so I think I saw the Eagles at Penn State, phenomenal. So like a couple like ones that really, really, really stand out. And I always, I, I love going to listen to Dave. I was going to say that the Dave concerts just kind of go and go and go. This is the the, the jam band. By what, what is your favorite Dave Matthews album? Well, you know what? 
uh, I'm not going to answer this because the last time I answered something similar to this, I got so much hate. What? Uh, I got so much hate. Dave Matthews Band fans are mellow people. No, like they shouldn't be happened, doing this. It was before our first draft with Fit Scott Fitter, and Scott Fitter is a huge Dave Matthews fan. Uh, so they, they asked me, like, what's my favorite song, right? And so, like, my true favorite prop song was probably like Gray Street or, or you know. Oh, like I love Gray Street. But I said Long. you and you and me because mm-hmm. you and me came out, and then you know my wife and I were never going to have another child, so we had one child, and all of a sudden, by the grace of God, boom, two daughters came along. So uh, that song always reminds me of my daughters. But like, fan, I mean, I just was. I mean, this guy wrote an article, so I'm pretty good about not reading what people say about me. But when you start attacking my love of Dave Matthews, then that's different. That's over the line. Like third down, go for it. Fourth down, go for it. I'm fine with that, but don't attack me, especially a song that is out to my daughter. So yeah, um, I like the Tim Reynolds uh, time, like the Tim Reynolds albums, like, you know, but, but I, I really like it all. Well, the, the gray street is a great choice. The correct answer is crush, but gray street is a great <laughs> choice. So uh, I, I did have one more football question before we, before we let you go, Matt, you, you've, you've had your quarterbacks live a few times in, in spring practice this year. Not a lot of coaches willing to do that these days. What, what, what prompted that decision? You know, I've always done it. Um, sometimes not with an established starter, you know, like, you know, like, like, you know, when, when I was at Temple, I had PJ Walker was my starter for four years. When I was at Baylor, Charlie Brewer was my starter for three years. After like a year or two, I knew that they would stand in there and take a hit. I think the biggest thing for me is um, it really speeds them up. Okay. They really start to play fast. Uh, they really start to get the ball out of their hands. You know, we're doing some running the quarterback stuff. So uh, to really give the defense a chance to play, you know, I want to do that. But, you know, Jeff Sims has played a lot of football, right? But he hasn't played for me. And so just seeing what he can do. And, you know, I'd say if I put him live 50 snaps, they get tackled twice. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we did it. We did live this morning. And I had a freshman D lineman, Cam Lenhard, turn the edge, knock the defense tackles down, come in. And the quarterback was live and he kind of just shoved him. And I was like, hey, I appreciate you doing that. Because it's really not intended, <laughs> intended to, like, land on him. So I'm mean, guy. It's the moment for a freshman, right? Oh, there. He's wise beyond his years, you know. But uh, Is everyone around you being like, no, 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 as soon as that's, like, breaking? Uh, that play right there? or yeah. uh, No, your staff was, seeing your quarterback about to get crazy. Even the D-line yeah. coach was, like, like happy he didn't tackle him, you know. So, <laughs> But, um, but no, I think it's, you know, we have some kids, some, some young men that are just really young, and they're really talented. And so I just noticed when they do it, they – Instead of going like one, two, three, and patting the ball like they're at seven on seven, man, they play quickly. And and, and so um, I would hate for them to play at a different speed next year in game one than how they've ever practiced. And so the other, the other thing it does for you, I think, is it opens up your offense a little bit. Like, you know, they rush and they all we all sack and put the ball down. Well, try sacking these 230-pound guys who run four or five, man. It's way different. So um, we'll scrimmage Saturday. We'll be live, not the whole time maybe, but a lot of the time. And uh, – um, it's just kind of the way that got, we go back to the blueprints, how coach Osborne did it. I've done it a little bit in the past. I'm doing it more now. And so at least so far it's worked out. Well, last thing for me, Matt, it's, it's a topic you and I've talked about before, uh, your, your game day superstitions. Um, uh, I'm wondering, can Adidas make a smock? Did you go back to cage jackets? Like what's the status here? Yeah, there's a, diff- there's always a different thing every year. Right. And it's, it's not a superstition. It's just process. <laughs> which is really super sick. Um, but it's just, you know, once I'm picking out up for the year, like they call it decision fatigue. Like I'm going to wear the same thing every, every week. Right. And, um, 
So I don't think that's, I think the schmuck is dead. You know, I think I'll be in something else. Um, you know, I'll, but once I pick a lookout for the year, we're rolling with it, you know, unless, uh, unless my, I come home and my wife is like, what in the heck are you wearing? Then, then, it, then it changes pretty quickly. So well, Matt rule, Matt rule, Steve jobs, Homer Simpson, all people that wear the same thing. There you go. Well, I know, I know your agent texted you during that, that 19 season and said, Hey, thank you. know, we got to stop wearing this. We got to talk about this. So when you become an NFL head coach, what is the conversation about how do we need to dress on the sideline here? Um, just, you know, like you got a lot more entities, you know, the hat, the hat companies are trying to get you to wear a hat. Um, you know, you have your different things, you know, like one week, you know, you know, you know, different month, excuse me, there's a different, you know, issues and causes. So making sure we're very respectful for that, you know, um, like, you know, whenever there's breast cancer, you always see me always wear like two, uh, one for my mother-in-law who passed away, one for my mom who battled breast cancer. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of input on what you should, what, what they want you to wear, what you should wear. And, uh, um, um, I'm certainly not a fashionista, so I just kind of pick something to roll with it. Matt Rule, thank you for rolling with us for a few minutes. We appreciate you guys, man. Good to see you. That is the fashion conscious Matt Rule. We'll see what he comes up with uh, to wear this year. It, it should be fascinating. I, I don't know if it's quite going to match the shacket from the Baylor days, but he definitely has a process, and that's that's important. Will that process work and give Nebraska more wins? We're going to find out, but he certainly seems confident that he can get the Cornhuskers back to where they're supposed to be. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Later this week, Max is going to be back with me and Ari. we got to talk about the transfer portal. It opened over the weekend. Some crazy stuff happened. We will try to digest some of that and explain just what the heck's going on. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you later.